What up, guys? Welcome to the New American Dream Podcast. I'm your host, George Gibson. All right, we got another great show today. And before we get into the show, I just want you to know, like, this year, beginning January 1st, I set a goal for myself, right? For our business, we wanted to sell and buy a house every single month. And that's a big transition from 2020. So what we did was implement uh, miniature goals in order to reach the long-term goals. And that's exactly what, you know, our podcast is about today is setting goals. And uh, I'm going I'm to give you one, one gem from the podcast. One of the, the great gem was not backing out of deals. I remember early on when I was um, buying properties and putting offers on properties, and I was unsure if this was a make or break deal after maybe inspections or the, even the purchase price. Am I overpaying? Is it worth this? You're questioning yourself when you're beginning out in real estate. So a lot of times, you know what? People will back out of deals for things that are not deal breakers. And, you know, they talked about not backing out of deals. If they can't flip it, they wholesale it. They can't wholesale it, they can rent it. If they can't rent it, you can be a realtor. That was just four things I named that you can do with a property if it doesn't fit your um, your business model at that time. So, I mean, this is a great show. They're determined. They set goals and they're killing it. They, you know, a lot of people just listening to podcasts and reading books. They made up their mind. They wanted to invest in real estate and they took action. All right. Enough of me yapping, yapping, yapping. Here goes today's guest. We have Sarah and Anthony. All right, and welcome to the show. We have Sarah and Anthony. Hello. Thanks and, for uh, having us. Yes, so let the people know a little bit about who you are and what you guys do. Yeah, so I'm Anthony, as you mentioned. Uh, we're in the Houston area. Got started in real estate about nine or 10 months ago. So right when, right when COVID happened, we were just like, you know what, it's time to get started. We were both working from home, so it kind of made sense to get started. And so... Uh, we're 10 months in, we've done 13 deals so far, and we're looking to just continue to grow rapidly. Wow, I did 10 months and 13 deals? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's moving fast. So, all right. Dang, I didn't realize that. All right, so COVID made you want to get in real estate? Did you say that? Yeah, so I have a couple mentors that, that do real estate. And right. it just was the timing, right? So like we had already kind of read all the books, you know, a lot of people say Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, we read the Bird book. I think it was David Green who wrote that book. And so we were always just trying to figure out when the timing would work because we both do, you know, we work full time. And then when COVID, COVID happened, we were both working uh, full time from home. We're just like, you know, now the time to get started. So that makes sense. So, all right, all right, all right let's get some kind of background. Starting with you, Sarah, like, how did you grow up? Like, as far as, was you like middle-class poor? Was your family in real estate? How'd you grow up? So I actually, I come from a very fortunate background. Both my parents are in medicine. Um, so they don't know anything about real estate. They keep asking us, why are y'all doing this? This doesn't make sense. You guys just keep buying houses. Um, so I did mechanical engineering in high school or in college. So I'm very analytical. I need to process. So when we start, first started doing real estate, I was like, I need to know exactly what we're doing. Um, and a step-by-step -step sort of thing. And we kind of got into the analysis paralysis sort of thing. And Anthony was just pushing us. And so that's kind of what enabled us to kind of get going was just his, his go-getter attitude. So 
Okay. Yeah. What about what about you, Anthony? Where did you grow? What um were you both born in Texas? What about that? No, so I grew up in the Ninth Ward, New Orleans. Um, and then in 2005, when Hurricane Katrina hit, you know, my family basically packed the bag and we moved to Dallas. Um, and then, you know, in Dallas, obviously, where I went to middle school and high school, I focused on you know, athletics, and that was kind of how I paid my way through college. I went to the University of Iowa, I played ball there. Uh, and that's kind of when I really started to get more involved in uh, entrepreneurship. And so started a couple of businesses. And then uh, after college, I went to work in technology and then met her in Austin. And then she pulled me here to Houston. And then um, both just, you know, but like I said, we worked full time and we just kind of spent time, the extra time just learning more about entrepreneurship and real estate, met a couple mentors and then here we are. So. So what about your parents? What did they do? Were they like entrepreneurs? Oh, no. My mom was a middle school teacher. Um, my stepdad at the time was working at FedEx and then they got a divorce, you know, when I was in high school. So I had no nobody doing entrepreneurial things in my family. It was just I was just so fortunate to meet mentors along the way. So um, so that's kind of where I got my my knowledge from. Yeah, that's I always ask that because most guests like their parents maybe have a grocery store or a convenience store. So you being around that, you know, entrepreneurial lifestyle, it kind of encourage it or rub off on you, you know? Yeah. 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 All right. So, all right. You both meet in Texas. What was your first like real job before you got in real estate? Like, where were you guys making money at? So I work in oil and gas um, and he was in technology in Austin. So then when I moved back to Houston, I, I pulled him here um, and now he's also in oil and gas. And then um, we're still working those full-time jobs. Yeah. Okay. And we started doing the real estate thing about 10 months ago. Yeah. Wow. So, all right, you, you're working, making your money from the, um, your normal nine to five job. And you say, let's start investing in real estate. Was it a book or like you said, it was just the timing was right. Basically you said. Yeah. So we were, it COVID hit, we were working from home and it was just too of an opportunity working from home to just sit on our butts at night and not be doing anything. It's like when we have a break from work, we're looking at deals or evaluating deals. It's waking up early in the morning and we're together all day. So it just enables us to like really get going. So we were, he, he, he's the reason why we started doing it. He was just pushing <laughs> it. And eventually we're like, all right, let's, we got to do it. So now there's no better time to do it than now. Right. So, all right. Were you listening to bigger pockets and re, uh, all podcasts and reading books? Anthony, how were you learning? Like what made you it like, like it was really just all podcasts to be honest. And like I said, I got a couple mentors, one here in Houston, he has like, 300 units and then I got a mentor in Dallas that has 60 units and they've been telling me like you got to get in you got to you know it, it's, it's going to change your life right and so I was like well before I do that I definitely got to just you know learn continue to talk to them and make sure that we you know we're you know what we're, we're doing before we just kind of jump in and so um bigger pockets coach Carson yeah. uh YouTube you know the whole nine and then right. you know after we went to a couple seminars kind of listened to how to run the numbers accurately we were just you know confident and just kind of jumping in so that, that was the biggest thing for me was just how do we evaluate deals so right when i figured out how to do it i built a spreadsheet and now that's like our go-to for any deal um and once we figured that out i was like all right let's go we're let's just start buying because at that point the number part made sense to me yeah it's always like that too a lot of real estate investor investors are engineers majors or workers so I, I don't know if it's something with the brain that recognize engineering with the numbers. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, 
but that, yeah, that is a common degree for real estate investors. All right. So all right, take us to this the first uh, deal you guys, how did you guys find that first deal? So we found it on the MLS and it was listed at like $140,000 and the ARV was 145. So we found it on the MLS. We called her like, this is way too high. We literally followed up every single week for like three or four months. And finally they sold it to us for 93,000. Um, so we had a, a big buffer in there for us to do a rehab. So we did our rehab on that. We bird that property. Um, and then we refinanced and basically pulled all of our money out. So, so, okay. Okay. They had it on there for 140. You yeah. stayed. All right. And okay. So you bought it for 90 and how much you would you estimate as far as rehab? 15,000. Yeah, 15,000. All right. And are you guys doing the work yourself or you're hiring contractors and how are you doing? Contractors. We don't have time to do it ourselves. <laughs> well, so that's crazy because I got one half of the people like I'm saving money. I'm doing it myself. Then you got you guys that are, are focused on making income to yep. support that rehab. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you got to have. All right. Let's I want to walk through this rehab because this is like besides just buying a deal. If you can if you mess up on your rehab and going spending way too much money, I've realized that's one of the things that hurt people because they're just learning. Um, they're reading books and trying to just, oh, let's put this kitchen in this and pay this, pay this. Yeah. All the while, you spent $30,000 so fast. So yeah. how are you hiring contractors? Or how you got trust for contractors? How are you doing this? So, I mean, going over budget on the rehab is just not, it's not an option. It'll blow your, blow your deal and it won't work. So when we first started out, we would get bids from multiple contractors. I give them a scope of work. Um, so basically every single line of something that needs to be fixed, new carpet, new paint, everything. And then they put a price on it. So I know exactly how much each item is going to cost. And we give that same statement of work from to one contractor, a second and a third. And then we can pick who kind of gives us the best price. And so there should be no surprises unless, I mean, you find something like the plumbing or something isn't working and that's not in your scope of work, but we get an inspection. So we know what's working and what's not. Um, and that kind of enables us to make sure our numbers are going to be tight or not and make sure it, it, the deal will work. Okay, okay, I got, I got you. So, all right, you buy the property, you rehab it. Now, you, are you doing all buy and hold or are you flipping properties too? We also flip, yeah. Oh, wow, okay, you jump head so first. It, yeah, so if it, one of our biggest thing is we learn is like, we never back out of a deal at this point. We've, we've lost too many deals backing out because it didn't fit our perfect strategy. So we're like, okay, let's burn this property. And then it didn't work as a burr. So we're like, okay, this won't work for us. So if it doesn't work as a burr, does it work as a flip? And if it doesn't work as a flip, I mean, it's going to work for someone. So let's wholesale it. I mean, yeah. that was, we had this realization a couple months ago. And at that point, I mean, that's kind of when we supercharged our investing was because we're just like, we're not backing out of deals anymore. Yeah. yeah I got a feeling Anthony has something to do with not backing out of deals anymore, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Nah, we, can't, we can't be losing these deals. I mean, one of the deals We've, we've wholesaled two deals that were on the MLS, right? So, like, the numbers just didn't work for us or the rehab bid came in too high. But, I mean, it's going to work for somebody. And so, if it's a good deal and it happens to be on the MLS and we have it under contract, I mean, we'll make five or 6000 just, you know, wholesaling it, you know, from the MLS. So, um, but, yeah, I'm not trying to back out of no, no deals. <laughs> now, I think that's the biggest mistake. People, um, they want to be a flipper or drenner. And when you do, if you can be a renter, uh, got rental property, you do a flipping, you wholesaling, I believe, uh, are you got one of your realtor too? Yep. I'm a realtor, yeah. Yep. So oh, I got man. my COVID. So I mean, having my license 
it gets rid of the bottleneck of having to run comps, make offers. So that really enables us to move more quickly and not have to rely on somebody else. Yeah. Okay. So what are, what are, uh, are your advantages you think of being a realtor and like, do you suggest if a person is going to be buying properties, they get a real estate license or do you think, how do you look at that? Y'all look at that situation. I think for us, it definitely has helped. I can't tell a person to do it or not to do it. I mean, for us, it's made a huge difference. I mean, it makes a difference between us being able to do a deal or not do a deal because I get 3% commission when we buy the property, if it's on the MLS and I get 3% when we sell it. So we don't have to pay that commission out to somebody else. I mean, on a property that's $200,000, you're saving $6,000 on the sale or on the, on the purchase or whatever. So, I mean, that changes the numbers drastically. Yeah. Um, Alan, do you guys remember, um, old school real estate that was on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, okay. I had him on. He, he came on my podcast. That's the first podcast he came on. And one of the tricks he, he taught me and which I use it a lot as a realtor, I offer up my commission. So a lot of times, you know, you put an offer in and say you guys put an offer in for a hundred thousand and your commission is 3%. Well, you tell the other realtor, Hey, you can have the, my 3%, but make our offer count. And I've been doing that lately. And it's like every realtor I did that with, they like, yeah, they want that commission. So they make exactly. it happen. Yeah, they can get 6%, yeah. And I yeah. think that for someone who's like, doesn't have the real estate license, they can say, they can call the agent directly and say, I won't use a realtor, I'll use you. And you can take the extra 3% or um, the seller can just keep that extra 3%. I don't know if I would recommend that for like your first couple of deals, but if you've done a few deals, you can just say, I won't use a realtor. And then that's kind of the same as you offering up your commission. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. So that's, that's advantages for, um, if people like right now, I know Texas, I believe is a, how is the economy over there as far as like with the COVID are people like struggling? Is it like Florida is a hot market for some reason. What's the environment like in Texas right now? think right now it's just it's very difficult to find good deals like we get deals every single day from wholesalers and they're just the numbers aren't working so I think that the biggest issue right now is just finding good deals and there's just not many on the market right now um, at the beginning of this when we first started I think there was like a bunch of deals but now we're kind of slowing down um, and I think there's just a lot of investors in Houston like it's starting to become popular um, and Houston just like a big city so you just got a, a bunch of people trying to wholesale you know, you know, I've called, you know, I've cold called people and it's like, this is the third call this week. So it's not like we're the only people that's, you know, oh. trying to get a certain property. So uh, there's definitely a hot market. Like I said, I mean, there's buyers. We just got to find the properties to, to, to sell to them. So. So, all right. What type of neighborhoods are you aiming for to buy your properties? Near the medical center is like my favorite area just because those houses rent out very quickly. Um, any, I mean, we're, we'll look anywhere in Houston, as long as it's not near the water, just because the flood insurance goes up. Um, so near like Galveston or like Baytown or something. But if, I mean, anywhere in Houston, we'll buy a property. <laughs> the numbers make sense. We'll do it. <laughs> so you're, so you go into the uh, North Ward of Houston, like the hood, hood too, or are you staying away from the bad, bad areas? I, I think it just depends, man. Honestly, like if the numbers are like super good. You know, maybe I won't do it. Like, I'll just wholesale it out. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, somebody, you know, somebody will buy it, right? Depending, it doesn't matter where it's at. You know, if the numbers make sense, you know, maybe somebody that's out of state, right? If they just want to get cash flow or whatever it is, like, they may be interested in that. They, they don't care, what, you know, what the neighborhood's like, so. Yeah. At one point, when I first started buying properties, I really, I just, if the numbers made sense, I was buying it. 
But now that yeah. I actually got some of them properties in them neighborhoods, it's 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 it can be a headache. You know what I mean? Like I like <laughs> I, I like that B class working class neighborhood where people, you know, uh, some home, like this the key. If you got some homeowners in the neighborhood, that's a good thing. But if you got a house and it's nothing but renters in that neighborhood, that's like a sign yeah. that is like, yeah. Okay. All right. So you guys say you never back out of deal. I want to see how do you deal with obstacles when they come up? Because in real estate, that's one of the main reasons people are unsuccessful because uh, they get inspection done. Oh, you got bad plumbing. And the first thing they do is uh, withdraw their offer. You know, it's inspection period. So how are you guys overcome? I know if you buy a property like this, this fast, you're facing things. You're facing a lot of no's, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. Lots of no's. Yeah. So, all right. I would like to say this is that I'm going to make up this example. I want to see how you guys would uh, react to it. All right. You put an um, offering on a property and you in this inspection period and during the inspection period, it comes back. You didn't know beforehand, but you're in a flood zone. And how would you deal with that? Uh, flipping it. You're flipping it. Okay. So automatic, if you're in a flood zone, it's going, are we going to flip this instead of keeping it? Sure. Yeah. So if we're, if it's a 500 year floodplain, I would, I would consider it as a rental. Um, but if it's a hundred year floodplain, that's just not even something I want to mess with. So our first move would be to flip it. Um, yeah. Oh, or I mean, oh, yeah. And if the, and if the rehab bid came back a little too high and it's in the flood zone, let me, let me hit up some buyers. Like we get, you know, we got a property for you. And then in addition to that, right. If it's on the MLS, um, not only is she a realtor, I'm going to try to mark it up, you know, two or 3000. Right. So like, if we got it, like call it a couple thousand, you know, below this price, right. You know, I'll try to, get, I'll try to make up the spread. So I try to get, you know, 3000 on the back end and then she'll get a 3% because she's the realtor. So I don't think a lot of people think about that. But like if you wholesale in the MLS, you know, she's the, she's the agent and I'm trying to make, you know, two, three, four, 5,000 just from the wholesale fee as well. I think the biggest thing for us is like, if we really can't make it work, if the numbers don't work for the rehab or if like, let's say the floodplain thing comes up or something crazy comes up, our last ditch effort on any deal is we're going to wholesale it yeah. because somebody will buy it. Somebody. Right. We just have to oh. find that person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right. So this is kind of different for real estate, but I, I want you to try to answer it. Um, go deep in your mind and try to answer it. What is uh, your like natural God-given gift. Like, so everybody comes to you for this, Anthony. Everybody asks you for this, Sarah. Like, you known for this. Like, what's your natural gift, you think? I think I do really well with networking. And then I think, like, financial literacy, right? So, like, all my friends are hitting me up about investments or, you know, how to approach this person on LinkedIn or, you know, what should I say? I think I have a switch where I can, like, communicate with my homies and I can, like, you know, you know be me. But right. then I can also push it and be very professional and try to like give them advice on how to approach a certain situation. So that's why I like our real estate because I'm talking to realtors all the time. I'm talking to sellers. I'm talking to buyers, um, and just building relationships. So, okay, and that's 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 definitely key to real estate. And that's the part I don't know. I'm I don't know. I get invited to these real estate events, and like you said, is that networking? And that's yeah. not my. I'd be like. I can't remember everybody's name. I got 30 business cards. Like, what is going on here? What are we here for? You know? Yeah. yeah. 
but um that's definitely a strong suit in real estate far as just finding deals and just um who you know makes stuff happen so what about yeah. you sarah what is your um gift i think it's more so the the number side like if if someone call if we have to follow up with somebody and make a phone call i'm like anthony here you go here's the phone i'm not dealing with this i don't want to do that but if if we need to run numbers or we need to figure out different ways that the finances are going to work um the, ma the math part of that is, is my strong suit. So we need to figure out a creative way to make something, a creative way to finance something. Um, I'll definitely be the one who's gonna kind of do that part of it. Gotcha, so you're more like the numbers guy. A yeah. numbers girl, the woman, my bad. Oh, numbers right. guy, <laughs> I know, right? And I, mostly real estate and guys. So, but it's starting to be more women. So it's kind of like more on both sides. I'm trying to get my wife to take over dealing with tennis, man. Oh when my tenants text me my heart drops every single time every time <laughs> even if it's just like a good thing like oh i sent the rent i'm like oh my gosh what is it that broke <laughs> yeah yeah i i don't like that feeling i don't i gotta figure out a way around that because like i think this past saturday it was like nine o'clock at night and the, um, one of the tenants text me the bathroom's flooding flooding in her room or something and my wife she like we don't have none of these problems at, at home. How are they doing this? I don't know what you're doing, you know? <laughs> and I think once we get, we get more properties, more rental properties, we'll definitely have a property manager because I can't I can't deal with this on the... That's my thing, too. Is I, I'm always the one getting the text from the tenants, not him. Right. Um, we'll definitely be getting a property manager when we when we scale up to have more, more rentals. All right. So, all right. Outside, it don't have to be real estate related. Um, your Your purpose... I, I thought like they try to ask high school kids what you want to be when you grow up. And I'm 31 now. And I would say maybe like four years ago, I realized I don't like working for people. I can't learn by reading. I have to learn by listening. Um, I love real estate. I like ATVs. I just realized it's probably the age of like 27, 28. And that I realized I stepped into my purpose. So now life has became easier because I'm not forcing to do what my parents wanted me to do or what looks normal, you know? What do you think your purpose is before you leave this earth? Like, what's your overall, like, what's you trying to solve and help the world? I just want to teach people. Like, for me, like, my, my why is, like, I want to make, I want to be able to just, like, help people learn so they can kind of do what we're doing or just get out of the situation that they're in. Because I think that, I mean, I, I truly think anything is possible. And if you just give someone the the knowledge to get there, that they can do it. I mean, and some people just need mentors or they just need an example. Um, so, I mean, if we could, if we could impact someone and really give them the tools to succeed, that's, that's my goal. Okay. And, and I, I can see that because Anthony, he mentioned the mentors earlier, how effective, like, I don't, Everybody don't have mentors, but how valuable is having a mentor in y'all success? It seems like it's working because if you're moving this fast, like, how's your mentor happening? It's crazy, man. Like, the first mentor I met in Houston, I was at the bar, and we were watching the LSU game. He had LSU gear on, and I just sparked up a conversation. Next thing you know, yeah, I do real estate, 350 un units. I want your car. Let's talk. Let's go out to lunch. You know what I mean? And he helped us find a contractor. We actually meet with him tomorrow because we want to get involved with multifamily. I mean, it's just been crazy, crazy on, on how big that they've impacted our career and just they've taught us so much stuff. So, 
uh, definitely recommend just, you know, anybody that's getting started to find somebody that they can trust and lean on when they have questions. Yeah. And what's some of the mistakes you made at Bay earlier? It's still early in your guys' journey, <laughs> but maybe like that first couple months, what were some mistakes that you don't do now that you learned from? Back in ideals. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably one of my, my biggest regrets. I mean, there's one property that I think of that just comes to, comes to mind is like we had under contract for less than it was listed for on the MLS and we just we backed out of it and someone snatched it up and I mean they're selling it for what we thought we could have sold it for. Yeah, you probably lost out on 50k to be honest. Wow. Oh man. Yeah. But the only the, no money lost, right? I mean we lost the option option fee which is probably 100 bucks or whatever. But I mean the upside was crazy, but we just we didn't think about, you know, executing all of our, our different options, but and what was the what was the reason you guys backed out? What happened? So we had, you know, our 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 ARV was like call it three fifty, right? But the lender they thought it was like two ninety or three hundred. So obviously, like the numbers weren't gonna because we use hard money, so the numbers weren't gonna work. And so we we're like, man, somebody's gonna buy this house and they gonna they gonna sell it for three fifty. But we didn't think about trying to wholesale it for you know ten or fifteen thousand you know dollars more than what we got it because we got it way lower than what it was listed for. So, you know, take it uh, for what it is. Yeah. I think our, our other regrets is just like at the beginning, I was kind of nervous to use other people's money and partner. Mm -hmm. um, we would use hard money and then find like a gap funder for the cash out of pocket. I was nervous on doing that. Um, and I think that there's been so many properties that we might have lost out on yeah. because we didn't partner. So it's like, I don't know if you've ever heard of like the six degrees of separation, but um if you talk to enough people, you will find somebody who has cash that can, they're, they either just want to be a passive investor or you have a friend or a family member who knows somebody or they have money. And I mean, if they have 5,000 and another person has 5,000 and you can kind of get three or four people, I mean, that's a deal. Yeah. Um, so if you just partner with people and you just, I mean, network as much as you can. Okay. That would be something change. Right. Yeah. Because me personally, I haven't even used any private money or money yet. And so like, I, it can be tricky. I think you need to really be on top of your game. What are, what are like, you looking for hard money? What are things you're looking for? What's a acceptable percent to be paying on your money? Like what's a good deal for a person beginning using hard money for the first time? So the big, the first question I would ask is what are, what's the, the, the interest per year, the annualized interest? That's the first question. How many points, origination points? So how much basically are you going to pay for closing costs? Um, to the lender. Uh, for us, the biggest thing is just communication. How do you like to communicate? Like if we had a lender that would have been a good lender, but I mean, he doesn't answer the phone. He doesn't email back. And for me, it's like, I want to be able to text you. I want to be able to call you and get an answer from you. So the lenders we work with, we have very good relationships with them. I text, I call, they always answer. And if they don't, they'll let me know when they're available. Yeah. So for me, communication is, is key with anyone. Yeah. Okay. So all right, going forward, say you, all right, right now you say you're looking to move into multifamily. If if you was to find, say I found a million dollar apartment complex and it's, they want a million dollars for it, but it's probably worth 1.4, 1.5. Like what's the first step like would come to your mind now we need a million dollars. Like what's your first, like it's a great deal. So how, how would you go about trying to get the money first? I'm a mentor, <laughs> like, hey, Take a look at this before we mess up. You know, that's what I would do. And then when it comes to capital, you know, I got a couple of buddies that play in the league that, you know, they're ready to invest with us. So I'm just right. kind of fortunate in that aspect that, you know, we, have, we don't 
you know, capital is not really an issue for us. So, uh, yeah, definitely lean on my mentor first, then kind of, you know, bring all the partners in and see if they'd be willing to, you know, go in on the property. So, so I also think too, that that wasn't the case when we first started, we didn't have people kind of flocking to us to give us money. But once you do a few deals and you're putting it on social media and people are seeing what you're doing, I mean, people want to, people want to be involved with this. Cause I think a lot of people are starting to see the value in real estate. Um, so if you kind of share your journey and kind of build your credibility, I mean, after you do your first couple of deals, people will start wanting to get involved with you too. Wow. You're right. Okay. How many properties do you guys want? Like what's your, is it like a certain number of properties you get that you'll quit your job? Like where's, where, where are we going at? I mean, I think it depends. Like we both like what we do. We get paid well for it. And I think, you know, once we can maybe cover, cover all of our expenses, you know, we may, you know, consider walking away, but you know, if we can, if we can work full time and do real estate full time and just continue to maximize our income, like we'll do that for as long as possible. And then, you know, once we have kids and it, you know, it, it gets time consuming and it may be too difficult. then at that point we'll reevaluate. So I want a hundred thousand properties. <laughs> I want as many as we can get our hands on. And I think, yeah. I mean, I believe it's possible. I, I truly, I believe it's possible. Yeah, people are doing it. So it's possible. Maybe not a hundred thousand, but I mean like a, a couple. Yeah. Thousand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Cause like, you know, like it's a, it's like, you can be worth a hundred million dollars and have thousands of empl employees, or yeah. you can have 10 employees and be worth $10 million. For some right. reason, I feel like if I had a thousand employees and I had a company that was a hundred million, I'd be stressed. Yeah. <laughs> at, some, at some point, it's like how much money is enough money for the work? Because once you start getting to having such a big corporation or whatever it is, like the whole purpose of doing this is so we can have freedom and have our time. So yeah. if we don't get to have that, then what was what was the purpose of building something that big? Yeah. And that's that's what I heard a common thing that is freedom is more important than money. So if you if you could tell me like maybe all my bills get paid, I can go on maybe 10 trips a year, but I don't got no money, but I had all the free time, I would consider it, you know? Right. Because yeah. like that was the main reason that motivated me to do real estate because the freedom. That was like the number one pressure. Yeah. Okay. So as a realtor and you're fixing up these properties, say you're flipping a property. What's some must-dos in the property you like? All right, we're going to put granite top. We're going to put this on the floor. Like, what does your rehab process look like to add value? So just like from a cosmetic perspective, we're adding granite countertops, wood floors, new paint, and stainless steel appliances. Those are like the, the go-tos. In the bathroom. In the bathroom. bathroom. So yeah. the kitchen kitchen and bathrooms is what is going to sell your house. Yeah. Um, so we want to make those look as nice as possible, obviously within within budget and kind of matches the comps. If we can be a little bit nicer than the comps and still be in budget, I mean, that's that's the key. All right, this kind of selfish question, but I'm flipping a property and do you always put a stove and refrigerator in there or do you leave it empty? If it's a rental? No, uh, are you flipping a flip, it? If, it just depends. If your numbers are going to be ruined by adding a stove and a fridge, then don't put it in. I mean, people can always bring that. But I think that it would, when you walk into a kitchen, it kind of just makes the kitchen look more full. Yeah. And it kind of, people are, the kitchen's what sells. I think not having a stove may be weird, but no fridge. I think you can probably try to negotiate not having a fridge over a stove. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, normally, yeah, because even for the renters, I had one old school guy who sold me a house 
And he was like, he don't even provide the refrigerator or the stove for his tenants for renting. I was like, wow, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't believe it. But here, the renting market is so bad that people, they're, they they got the worst to go. So that's what you got. They got to buy their own refrigerator and stove. Right. Well, that makes sense. That's a good point. I mean, I think it just depends on the market, right? So like, if you got a bunch of people renting and you know your house is going to, you know, rent out within a couple of weeks or whatever, then, I mean, you got you got more choices. But if, you, if you're doing a flip and the days on market, you know, aren't too low and you want to make sure that you can maximize, you know, whatever it is that you need to do to sell it, then you just gotta you gotta add everything possible within within your budget. So yeah, and so when we bought our house that we actually ended up moving out of um, and turning it into a rental. But when we moved into it and bought it, the first thing we said was we want a washer and dryer, yeah. and we're not gonna buy it unless you give us a washer and dryer. So they put a washer and dryer in the house. So I think a, a lot of people will use it as like a negotiation sort of thing, and then you'll end up having to pay for it anyways. Yeah. You're not gonna buy the house because you don't have a washer and dryer. Well, there. <laughs> no, I, I mean, probably would have, but. Um, I mean, it was just another, I just didn't want to pay for that. No, yeah. no, nah, nah, it's the same thing. I think my brother, he bought a car with no car mats. And my dad was like, take the car back. Tell him you ain't going to buy it. <laughs> like, car mats? <laughs> car mats. That's too funny. That's the old school. They want a full tank and you want car mats. And two keys. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. So what are um your are your rental properties? What is, like, everywhere is different. Some people want $100 cash flow. In San Francisco, they just want negative $200 cash flow. But... What is your cash? I know, right? Well, in San Francisco and California, you're not gonna get a cash flow property. Property. So, what is your cash flow for you in Texas? What are you aiming for? What are you aiming for? We're not really aiming for a dollar amount. It's more so a percentage. So, I want my return on investment um, to be thirty percent. See, see, she just went over my head with the engineer stuff. Hold on, hold on. All right. So, <laughs> let's say I have like. Five thousand dollars in the property. Right. I would want to get. Pay, I would want that five thousand dollars back in three years, based on my cash flow. So okay, I want okay. to return on that five thousand. Okay. And and that's see that's one of the things people don't realize. Like see how you that was your, how you look at it as a um, percentage. Me, I look at it as a dollar amount. So if my mortgage is five hundred dollars, I want to make rent it out for a thousand dollars. So I'm like, okay, I'm making $500 a month. Right. And that's my determination, whether it's a decent deal or not. It's, But that's why people have to, you can't, like, you can't be Grant Cardone. I can't be Brandon Turner. We can't, you have to really just be yourself and use what makes sense to you, you know? Because a lot I of, think go ahead. Go ahead. I would say, I think Brandon Turner looks like a 10% or 12% return. Um on his money. So right. if he has a thousand dollars property, he wants to make like a hundred and twelve, yeah, hundred and twelve dollars or whatever. So for me, I mean that just doesn't make sense. I would rather I want at least a 30% return because I don't have as much money as he does. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A 30% return is a great deal. That's a like people are, you could sell them all day, you know, people in California and San Francisco or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of my properties, we are, I'm selling a lot of properties to people in Canada, California now, because they're, the percent they're getting on there, um, where they, if they say you was living in California trying to buy a house, you're not going to get the same, like I sell houses for $75,000 and they rent for $800, $900. So right. wherever they're living at, evidently they can't get that. So right. like the last house I sold, the couple was from Canada and it sold like a couple days before Christmas. But I think they never even came to look at the house. I think it was for like a tax purpose. 
So, you okay. know, like, they had to spend a certain amount of money. But I sold a couple houses of people in California, and they're like, it's, it's a decent deal to us here, but it's a great deal to somebody, you know, who want a 15, 10% return on their money. We actually had, um, I've had like four people in the past two weeks reach out to us who are from California looking for deals in Houston. And then a couple, there was a group of women who wanted to partner with us um, because we're doing it in Texas. And I mean, you just can't find the same sort of returns in California. No, definitely. And you, you got feet on the ground. So I don't care what people say. If you live there versus a person, you know, way across the globe, you got a better chance of finding off-market deals, underpriced deals, and then you fix them up. Um, I wouldn't put a tenant in there, but you go, you get a list of people from California because Texas, like a lot of people are coming to Texas lately, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, so I think, yeah, you guys got some kind of tax incentive too, I believe out there. Okay, so what is your five-year goal? Today, We what's today? Today... February 15th, 2021. February 15th, 2026. Where do you want your real estate business to be? All of our expenses, personal expenses are covered. We got a couple multifamily apartment complexes. Um, I mean, that's my goal. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm sure we'll probably be done with work by that time. Um, yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. And what is... Your, what does your team look like right now? Is it just you two or do you have, well, you got the contractors, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we got like contractors and, you know, insurance lady and lenders, uh, lenders appraisers, or not appraisers, but uh, inspectors and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's just us two. Yeah. And we oh, have yeah. our go-tos that we call once we have a deal, but we're the ones finding it, kind of stewarding the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, I don't know if you even had a discussion with each other, but do you, um, like your vision for the week, do y'all discuss that like with your team or not maybe for the month? Do you discuss that with just more than like the contractors? Like this is our goal to flip these many properties or do you kind of like just keep it between you two? Yeah, so it's definitely, we kind of sat down and we kind of wrote our three month goals. We kind of do it in three month increments. Um, and then every Sunday we sit down and kind of write down what the plan is for the week. But writing down our goals and kind of those three month increments really was a game changer for us. Um, cause we pursue those, like we have no other option. Like we have to do those in order to like, in order to survive and working with that mindset has really enabled us to move faster because we have to find the deals. We have to make these things happen. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Oh man. You guys are headed for success. It's like, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was, it, it, it's crazy because it's like if a person tell you, uh, how can I say it? Uh, yeah, I go to the club every Friday. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll be smoking all the time. You can almost guess what's in that bank account. You know what I mean? It's kind of like common, common um, traits. So yes. I interview a lot of people every week. And it's like, now it's starting to be the same old common things. You know, like you do these four exercises and you will be successful. And the one I've really been going by this week is, all right, did you play football or basketball? Football. Was that a racist question? How I knew that? Football or basketball? That was a fact. I'm like, hey, look, he didn't play baseball. He played football or basketball. Which one? But all right. All right, so he played football. So I've been, I've been going by the four downs. So it was like, 
you get three yards on first down, three yards on second down, three yards on third down. So long as I do a little bit each day towards that big goal, usually at the end of the day, it'll be success. You know, a lot of people want to do like a first down every day. And if you're an entrepreneur, it's hard to have, uh, you know, a successful, successful day every single day. But if you take like me lately, I've been getting cursed out by my parents for saying I'm rushing on rehab. So they like, slow down, slow down. So I'm like, all right, let me just do a little bit each day. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to get this something painted. And at the end of the day, I'm still successful because it's just smaller steps, more focused. Yeah, that's a great point. I think, you know, at the end of December, right, coming into the new year, we set a goal, right? Three months we hit this goal. So we, like, printed it out. We got it on the table, in the bathroom, in the car. On the fridge. Yeah, everywhere. So, like, I know a lot of people talk about writing down goals, but they have to be attainable. Right. So we set an attainable goal with with the timeline that we felt like, you know, we could, we could accomplish. And so we're, we're, we're almost there. So um, I think that's very important for any, you know, anybody who's getting started or people that, you know, that have been doing it for a while, so. Yeah, so if you listen to this and you're not writing any of your goals, I'm just being honest with you, you tripping because <laughs> I'm literally, man, my notebook right here, I literally have to write that, like the things I have to do because I don't know, when you write it down, it like happens. It's weird, I can't explain it, but you write it down, your brain articulate, I need to do this. But anybody, if you don't, if you're an entrepreneur, you need to write your goals down. That's just point blank right here. Okay, I'm trying to think. Okay, these are the final uh, New American Dream questions. It's just first thing come to your head. All right, Anthony, you, you first. If you could hang with a mentor for a day, not the ones that you already met, but anybody in the world and pick their brain, who would you hang with for a day? Grant Cardone or Brandon Turner. Grant Cardone or Brandon Turner. All right. Yeah. What about you, sir? I was going to say the same. <laughs> or um, what's his name? The guy who owns the Mavericks. Oh, uh, Mark Cuban. I love him. Yeah. Oh, man. So I right, just pretend you – oh, I can't even say that question because that's a weird question. I was going to say if you was to hang with Grant Cardone for a day, what – like – what would you want to know about his business? Because, I mean, we know he's a real estate big empire, but, like, to go deeper than that, like, what's something you would want to know? I mean, I think I would take it back to, like, when we first got started, right, so that he can kind of resonate with where I am. And so, like, I would want to know, okay, how did you get started and how did you scale, right? So, you know, you got this first property, and then what about the second and third one? Did you have partners? How did you find them? And so, like, just – understanding his strategy to kind of scale up to where he is today, I think would be valuable just because that's, that's kind of where we are. So um, I think that's kind of where, where I would take it. Okay. I'm going I'm to give y'all a gem for tonight. Did you already watch the latest Grant Cardone interview? It's called. Uh, is this the one that needs to make a, a business? No, no, no. Wait, it's with this dude. His name on Instagram is Sleep Dave Dorito. Sleep. Oh, man. But if you type on YouTube, uh, Grant Cardone interview with uh, David, it's probably like the one that just came up. But it's him okay. and a black guy interviewing him. And yep. it's the best. I ain't gonna lie. Grant Cardone, he, 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 he said a lot on that. And one of the things I liked about him, he talked about buying his jet. He bought a jet, I guess, a couple years ago. And yep. he was buying it in order to, he say, in order to screw the IRS. He didn't want to pay them. So... Yeah. He called the guys. He told them, I need a jet. 
they said, we don't have a jet ready like the jet he wanted for two years. So he called back again and said, man, I need a jet before the end of the year for tax purposes. They said the same thing. So this dude, this is what he said he did. He said he told his accountant to write them a check for $60 million and send it to the guy. So wow. he sent the check to the guy, wired the money to the people, his accountant team, and he called the guy back and said, hey, uh, call your accountant department. The guy called back and said, hey, we found your jet. We, we found one. I'm like, wow. Yes, that's like the ultimate, like, because a lot of times we fighting for deals right now. So imagine just right. wiring that $5,000 deposit to escrow, you know what I mean? Or to the seller. They like, holy crap, he for real, you know? Serious, yeah, he not, yeah, he not, he not kicking tires for sure. Yeah, so when I, that, that interview, man, yeah, it was another one he, he said, oh man, he, he talked about, he, because they talked about not just real estate, but life. And he said, he, he learned from, and I do this too. I learned from the mechanic, from the preacher, from the president, from the scrubs. I learned, I learned, I take the best from everybody around me. I got bombs who work, but they got real more than principles. So right. I still learn from them. So one of the things he said, he went to some country and how he got his wife was he, um, in this country, he said, if you want to talk to the girl, you always talk to the friend. I forgot what country it was. He was like, talk, if you want, if you like the pretty girl, talk to a friend first. So yeah. he was like, once the guy taught him that, he brought that back to America. And he was like, yeah, his wife, he ended up having sex with his wife, friend, and that's how he got his wife. Because she bragged about how good he was. And it was like, <laughs> he, <laughs> this that's is crazy, crazy, right? But Grant Cardone, he said he didn't, he because he was like, when you focus on the business, he didn't uh, settle down until he was like 49 years old. I mean, my wife was like, 49, that's crazy, you know? But he was just saying, that that guy's smart. That interview was good. Yeah, no, we definitely gonna look out for that. <laughs> yeah, he he was. I think he was just dropping information more than what he normally do. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, best book you ran to help get your mindset ready. I'll probably say the Bird Book. Um, that really helped me understand the Bird strategy. Is that by Brandon Turner? Which one is that? Uh, yeah. Brandon Turner and David Green. Oh, okay. I haven't even read that. Yeah, book. yeah. It breaks it down for you because I think, you know, it's it's kind of a popular term now. A lot of people hear about it, but they don't really know, you know, the steps to be successful when you utilize that strategy. So um, I would definitely recommend that book for sure. And then I think a lot of people talk about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's just a motivating book that talks about, you know, assets, liabilities, and real estate, et cetera. So both of those books for sure. Okay. All right. Um, if you if you could if you could live in any place forever, like a state or a country, what's your dream location to live at forever? Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> I love snowboarding. It's my favorite <laughs> thing to do in the whole world. And I live in Texas and there's no snow except for today. I would live in Colorado. That's an awesome location. I, I went to, call, um, not Denver, Brinkridge, Colorado. It's about yep. Yeah. And we stayed in Airbnb and it had a little book on the table where I guess when you check out, you had to write your time you enjoy it there and then one couple they put one year from today we will be living in Denver Colorado like wow Denver, I love it. yeah and they and they was like they were gonna sell their business whatever business they just put in a book but I was like that's what I'm talking about like put a date on it like you know yeah I could live there too I ain't gonna lie Colorado is nice yeah all right what are your hobbies outside of real estate what are you guys doing with your spare time real estate <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I mean, really, we wake up, we work out, 
and then it's real estate all day. And then, I mean, we do what we do our jobs from nine to five and then, I mean, that's real estate. That's it. Wow. We don't have time for anything else. Yeah. So you, you really trying to bypass people. I can see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you if, like, I don't work no more. So a lot of things, people, when people be at work or, I mean, if you're working on real estate and people sleep, you're finna bypass people, you know? You just, exactly. You outwork the work. Yeah. Okay. What is your version of the new American dream? The old version is, you know, you work your typical job for 35 years, 30 years, then you retire and you old and you travel to Colorado for a week and then you come back home. <laughs> what is your version of the new American dream? I mean, we, we work because we want to. And then, I mean, my biggest thing is that I just want to be able to have time for my family, spend time with him, with our dogs. I mean, we're going to have a family soon. I mean, spend time with my family is the biggest thing. So that's, I mean, that's what we're doing this for. So we, we can work if we want to, but we have the stability and the flexibility to kind of pivot and do what we want to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to work 35 years and not see my kids. And I'm not going to save, I'm not going to live my life when I'm 50 or 60. I want to live my life now. Yeah. Who is your, who are your guys' biggest supporter? Our parents support us. Uh, our friends, I mean, they root for us. I mean, they want to, they want us to get more property so they can pitch in. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we have a bunch of supporters, man. A lot of people supporting what we do. Uh, you know, my mom's in Dallas and, and, you know, they're rooting for us. So. They, they Are they saying slow down or are they like, keep going? I mean, I think they're just impressed by what we're doing. I mean, even her parents, right? We say, oh, we got another one on the contract. Oh, we're set, we set this goal to make 100000 in three months. And they're like, how are you going to do it? Well, we wrote our goals down. We're going to flip. We're going to wholesale. We're going to, you know, and so I think, you know, once we tell people actually what our goals are and they see how serious we are, they're just like, wow, you guys are really doing it, you know? And so. I think at first it, it wasn't like that. I mean, we definitely heard like, oh, there's no way y'all can do that. And stuff. I mean, we're we're doing it. I mean, we're 15k away from from doing it, from making from hitting our goal um, that we set back in December. So, yeah. I mean, as people are seeing that, I'm, my parents are like, I can't believe y'all actually did that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's a huge goal. And is yeah. you in Houston, which, where it's such a competitive market? Have you thought about like um, venturing out to like the smaller places where it's not so competitive? I think for me. I really like being able to go see the properties. So I think recently we've been having trouble finding deals from wholesalers and um, doing like the MLS sort of stuff. So instead of going out to smaller markets, I think we're going to start doing auctions mm -hmm. just so we can get properties for way less. Um, so our next kind of steps are auctions to get new deals and uh, kind of moving into doing multifamily apartment complexes, just because we, we kind of have built the credibility to have the capital um so we, that's not really a setback anymore yeah and i think i don't think we'd be opposed to it i think we just want to make sure that we become experts at like our market and we feel confident in you know maybe going to ohio or indiana or something like that um, but i just want to make sure that we are like experts before we do that because i mean that's a different ball game you got to build another team out there you got to have boots on the ground out there like you can't put eyes on it you got to really trust people so I think we just want to make sure that we like are confident in what we're doing here in Houston before we, you know, expand. So, yeah, I would say be um, cautious about yeah buying properties that far away. I was thinking maybe like 20, 30 minutes out, like in a smaller town or something. Because oh yeah, we'll do that for sure. Yeah, yeah, because like a lot of these people, they're saying they're buying properties from so far away, and I could just see all the money they're spending to manage that 
because property management, if they all these people need property management, the price is gonna go up. And I yeah. interviewed with a property management one time, and the prices they were telling me, I'm like, no way. So I try to, I stick to buying properties wherever I got family or really somebody really close to me that's sure. gonna be, you know, around. Yeah, no, that makes sense for sure. Yeah. All right. So let the people know if they want to reach out, uh, find more content about you guys, how can they get in touch? Our Instagram, it's Gare, G A I R dot real estate. Uh, and that's kind of where we're posting our, our journey, sharing tips and tricks and stuff. Um, you can DM us. We'll always answer, yeah. always trying to help people kind of get started. So, yeah. And if, if anybody needs like a mentor, at least, you know, we, you know, we can, we're more than happy to help them, you know, acquire their first deal. Right. So, I mean, we're not too far removed. We know what it's like to try to find that first one. Right. So like she said, G is in girl, A is in apple, I is in India, R is in Romeo dot real estate. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll put the um, title in the show notes, how you can find them. And I was also going to say the only, like I, when I was on the bigger pockets, when I came out in there and after that podcast came out, I got so many messages about people wanting help. But the one thing, <laughs> no, no, no. This thing about it though, if it's free help, everybody sign up for it. But how many people yeah. actually, you know, go buy a property within the next year? None of them. Right. So right. I really had to um, like turn my phone off, not turn it off, but I'll be on the phone with hours, you know, explaining to people how to get in real estate and then they don't even go do nothing. Yeah. So you definitely have to find out who are the real people that's going to take action or the people that's going to seminar to seminar learning keep learning you know well, that makes sense yeah okay but thank you guys for coming on the podcast i wish you guys the best of luck and it looked like big things coming i'll see you in 2026 thank you, <laughs> thank you. appreciate your time yes